Welcome, fellow connoisseurs of the popular culture, to the one place where we can get away from the constant gloom and doom of the World Wide Web. The stage is set, the glass half full, and that break in the clouds can only mean one thing. It's time for Silver Lining Cinema! Internet to the very first episode of Silver Lining Cinema, the show where we try to find the silver lining in pop culture. My name is Jofra Mendes, and I am terribly excited for you all to be here with me today, whoever's here with me today. What matters is that you're here and that you took interest in this, so I appreciate you being here. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is this show about? What is Silver Lining Cinema? Well, as the name states, Silver Lining Cinema is about finding the silver lining in media. Um, this show is going to revolve around, around film, comics, anime, manga, like they're your pop culture consumables. I'm a huge animation fan. I love movies. Uh, I love, I love media and pop culture as a, as a whole. But we'll get to that in a bit. Like most '90s pop culture nerds, I grew up in the 90s and I was raised by TV and movies and film and I know film and movies are synonymous but bleh. I was essentially raised by the consumable art that I was presented with at a very young age and that consumable art was animation and animation led to movies and then movies led to comics, comics led to just overall reading and science fiction and just general prose and and then here I am and all, I love consuming media I love deconstructing it I just love pop culture but in this internet landscape there's so much negativity and so much this is why this sucks this is why and I get it I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with criticism but it's just there's criticism and then there's crybaby bullshit. And I'm, I'm not about that. I'm about being hype and I'm about being excited. And, and I want to highlight the silver linings. I want to highlight silver linings in, in the things that I enjoy and love because it helps me appreciate them more, uh, whether it's good or whether it's bad. So that's generally what this show is going to be about. It's about silver lining in media, media and entertainment studies, uh, and if I were to have to say it, I, I, the idea of recontextualization of media, that is a word that it says here on my notes that it's written poorly. It has that spell checker crap, but you know what? No, I'm sticking to my guns, and that's what, that's what this show is about. So when I mean rec like media studies and recontextualization of media, what do I mean by that? So like the idea is to generate enough curiosity within ourselves to pique an interest in the context behind some of what our favorite uh, shows, movies, uh, comics, like where does that where does that all come from? Like where whether it's a storytelling device or an archetype or a trope, I'll give you the sample that inspired the 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 example that inspired me. We would like to interrupt this podcast momentarily to inform you of a correction that we have already found within the editing process. I have been informed by my legal team that the uh, term in which Esmeralda is referred to in Hunchback of Notre Dame is considered a slur against the Romani people. We will rectify this problem with clever censoring. Thank you and good night. 
when I was a kid and I had seen Hunchback and I watched Hunchback of Notre Dame, I always found it strange how Esmeralda was treated. Like, oh, she will persecute her because she's a nice lady. It's like, why does this priest act weird around this fine young lady? And then why is this happening in France? Why? I, yeah, you, it's stuff you learn in school, but you have such an opportunity to learn it at a, what, a way younger age. So when I was a kid, I was like, what's Notre Dame? Why is it so important? Like, why is it the backdrop to this story? Maybe that's just me. That's just me obsessing about things that aren't even of this material world, but I was curious about it. So what that did is that it led to this path of wanting to know more, of yearning, yearning information and learning. So the yearning, learning, yearning, learning, yearning. I, do, I had to do a Swedish chef voice at least once in this goddamn show, yearning, learning. So after that, it just, I learned about, I learned about the Romani people, their persecution, uh, uh, what 1412 France was like, which was pretty interesting. That moment kind of was the spark that lit the rest of my pop culture consuming youth. It was finding the inspiration, finding the origin of ideas, not just to find out and not just to find out how many different iterations of ideas and tropes and archetypes have existed, but it's to see the different the different versions and how they're recontextualized to eat to a creator's, let's call it themes, desires, or wishes. Another example is how I found out about Journey to the Journey to the West. For those who don't know, uh, Journey to the West is a Chinese epic story. Uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's like an epic opera or I've seen it like as described as a long it's a it's a it's, it's a very long story and it's about Sun Goku the monkey king or Sun Wukong in its native in its native tongue but why what's the big deal about Journey to the West why would because Journey to the West was the direct inspiration for one of the biggest and most popular names in anime, and that's Dragon Ball. The, dra the, the original Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, but the original Dragon Ball was entirely, like, very heavily, heavily inspired by Journey to the West. Look it up. I'll, uh, please, I encourage you. It's really, it's really cool read. But yeah, even the visuals, the motifs, the, the, there's a lot that's there's a lot in Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z is mainly inspired by the Superman mythos, the what, turning Goku into an alien, but that's another thing for another story. That's another story for another day. Another delicious layer of the silver lining cinema supreme burrito is, of course, deconstruction and contextualization of movies. But the particular twist I wanted to do for it was looking at the positive side, but not necessarily the positive side. We have all seen examples of art that works in one medium, but then in the other doesn't, or one version of the story works out when the other doesn't. That's a cool thing I like to look at in the in this show, and I wanted to share with you all. Let's we're gonna sometimes we're gonna sit down. We're gonna take movies that weren't necessarily a big hit in the general audience and try to understand why it didn't do so well, whether it was the writing, whether it was the characters, whether it was the direction, because sometimes you can have a lot of positive elements, uh, a, a lot of worthy, worthwhile and salvageable elements in a movie that was, you know, otherwise not so great. So we can look at, maybe we can do some genre mixing, maybe we can put this movie in a completely different setting or like what I, but what that, what, 
what feeling and what emotion that idea generates and how it's been used. It's a lot of like trope deconstruction and that's totally my jams. I'll give you an example. Here's, the, here's an example. A couple years ago, and by a couple years ago, I think almost a decade ago, this was pre-Marvel. This was this was pre-Marvel era of cinema. There's a movie with Chris Evans came out called Push. It's a very basic premise. It's a government agency with superpowered beings that fight other superpowered beings that go around, and Chris Evans is a superpowered being. And it's very, it's very by the, it's very by the numbers, you know, was, I, I went to go see it because I like the idea of superpowers. It's always been my, one of my favorite topics. That's why I lean more towards, uh, superheroes and comic books in general. Uh, but I digress. Um, the movie had, a, had a lot of ideas also visually that I thought were interesting and that I've always been very attracted to. I go see the movie. To me, the movie's crap. But there were a lot of elements that I did enjoy. I enjoyed that the the how they labeled each character or each power type. There were pushers, there were stitchers, there were movers, like the the Quakers, the bakers, the candlestick makers. Like you know, it, it was cool like that. But and so one of the performances, like the, the, there was a guy in a silver suit, he had blonde hair, looked like Wesker from Resident Evil, and that guy looked cool. Maybe you could salvage that guy, and. And just try to break down, you know, we all, we all try, we all forget. We all forget that movies, there's like, movies are tiny miracles. Like, it takes so much to make a movie that literally along the way of anything being made, someone's going to drop the ball and it's going to affect the entire thing. It's interesting to see where that comes from. And if maybe this idea could work anywhere else, who knows? But we're going to be doing a lot of that here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, give some airtime to those imaginary sponsors we have thus far. I'm, I'm looking at you, steamy vegetables. Got my eye on you. Magic shoe, magic shoe, come on and put on your magic shoe. Magic shoe, magic shoe, come on, put on your magic shoe. It goes on on your feet. Goes make you feel real neat. Make your shoe shoe look good. All around the neighborhood. Cause we got magic shoes, magic shoes. Scooby dooby dooby magic shoes. Put them on your feet and you look real neat because you got your magic shoes. Magic shoes. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a police officer. It was a rookie cop. And this rookie cop joins the force. He's kind of like a bit of an ace at, at his job. He's like good at everything. Has a bit of a temper, but he's pretty damn good. Pretty badass. Rookie cop of the year. His partner, his partner becomes kind of like his, his brother, like uncle, like paternal figure. And they, they go out on heists. They, they've been on the force for, for many, many years. And then one day... His partner betrays him. Partner betrays the rookie. There's a big fight. There's a big shootout. Rookie gets gets shot in the shoulder. Partner runs away. Rookie cops dealt with that shit ever since. After a while, the rookie cop starts getting more and more experienced. He goes through some personal issues, but uh, he finds a new father figure within the new commissioner. It's an older gentleman. He's taken care of him. He's weaved in and out of... 
Uh, he knows how the, the system and the works more or less. So he's taken akin to this rookie and they become very, very close. Until one day, the commissioner brings in the rookie and says, hey, do you remember your old partner, the guy who betrayed you, the guy who shot you? He goes, that dude is like a terrorist now. The rookie's like, what? He goes, yeah, that guy's a terrorist. He's forming like this, this underground cell and they're causing explosions all over the city and there's a terrorist cell and you're never gonna believe this shit. You remember when your kids went missing? Well, he has your kids. Like he is training your kids under, like, under this terrorist cell in order to strike back at us. So now the rookie has to go and fight his son. If I haven't made it blatantly obvious by now, this is, this is Star Wars. This is the, the threat of Star Wars, except it's from Anakin's perspective as the hero, Obi-Wan as the villain, and instead of a space, a space opera, it's a police procedural. This notion that this, if you ever feel like there's no such thing as creativity, like everything's been done, yeah, everything's been done, but how it's done is where creativity truly shines. If you ever feel short of an idea or stuck on something you should do, it's all a matter of shifting perspective. It's like a Rubik's Cube. You take your favorite show, your favorite movie, your favorite story, change the medium, and then turn. you can either turn... You can either shift the perspective, turn your villain into your main character or your main character into a villain or just place another archetype as your main character and just change, change the genre, change the mood, change the, change the tone, but it's the same story. That doesn't make it any less, that doesn't make it any more. That is something I, I, uh, I heard online, I have... Uh, tentatively titled it the Landis method, where essentially if you're ever stuck for an idea, the easiest and simplest way to generate an idea is to take an existing story and shift its perspective and then change the, the oh, I'm sorry, the sh change the genre completely. So, you know who's doing this really well? Marvel. Marvel, if phase two and part of phase three of Marvel's lineup was nothing short of genre mixing. What do I mean by genre mixing? Um, Captain America the Winter Soldier is essentially a political thriller with superhero adobo or seasoning. Uh, Ant-Man is a heist film with superhero seasoning. Guardians of the Galaxy is a Star Wars-esque space opera with the superhero you know, salad dressing on top of it. They stopped making superhero films. They are making films that happen to have a heavy superhero presence in it. That's all, that's the formula. It's a film genre plus Marvel stuff. It's, it's the Marvel filter. That's why they've been doing this so successfully. Like Thor Ragnarok is pretty much a top-notch quality version of Flash Gordon, but with the, the, the Marvel skin. That doesn't make any, that doesn't make it any less than what it is, but it's, it's, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Like, it's, it's just, it's the same story told over and over time, but then what's stopping us? What's stopping us from generating ideas when everything's been done under the sun? Well, your version hasn't been done yet. My version hasn't been done, most certainly. And any creator, any artist, any writer, any musician, anyone, 
if you pull the thread hard enough, you can start seeing how far the inspiration goes, how far it goes. Someone is always influencing someone or something. You're, you could be an influence. You yourself could be an influence. And I believe that to be a silver lining, the silver lining in being stuck with an idea. You want to try to do it, you don't know what to do, it's stuck, it won't come out. You're just, there's frustration boiling inside of you. Don't let it boil. You know what's good for boiling? Making noodles, making ramen. So take that emotional boil, put a nice little cup of ramen there, make yourself some ramen, and then take that stew in. Take that ramen -y noodle and use it to fuel your ideas. Ideas are everywhere. You can take your own stories, you can take someone else's stories, shift them around, make them yours. Input your own experience. Share your own life in a very unique way. And it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. It's all a matter of perspective. So go on ahead. Do it. Nothing's stopping you. Think of the weirdest idea you can possibly come up with. Put it on paper. Hey, it's better than the thousands of ideas that don't get made and they're just left in the stratosphere of your subconscious. Put it out there. I don't care. You can do it. You can totally do it because I believe in you. Same way that I believe in this show and I believe in what we're going to do, I believe in you. And I hope that eventually you can believe in you too. But for that, until then, I got you. I got you. Thanks for coming by. This has been the first episode of Silver Lining Cinema. I hope to see you for the next one. We've got a lot of great stuff on, on the horizon. Once again, thank you guys. And remember, there's always a silver lining out there. Take care. Have a great time.